This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have a classic episode for you about cheddar cheese. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Actually, one of um, our listeners who writes in pretty frequently, Cecilia. Hello, Cecilia. Um, Just wrote and was like, you love cheese, right? Well, where are the cheese episodes? Ah. (laughs) You need to do more cheese episodes. (laughs) You're correct. I've been letting down my cheese inner self and also cheese lovers of the world. So, sorry. (laughs) Uh, yes. No, we, I, oh, gosh, we always need to do more cheese episodes. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like for, for reasons that we'll get into a little bit um, or, or, or that we got into a little bit in this episode, uh, I I like try not to do too many because I, I feel like if you let me start doing cheese episodes, I'll just do nothing but cheese episodes. And then we'll mm-hmm. be a cheese show. It's a legitimate fear. Yeah. Which would be fine. Right. But, you know. Moderation. <laughs> Always, which is key with cheese and hard to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. actually, at the beginning of this pandemic, uh, like shutdown here, um, I had a friend who happened to be with me and she bought, she always brings a lot of cheese because we both love cheese. And mm-hmm. one of them was a, you know, classic craft cheddar block. And um, 
I, as you know, I've been avoiding like going to the grocery store and like getting really interesting with some food experiments, shall we say. And so I finally, like a couple months ago, was like, okay, it's time. The cheddar cheese, it's time. It was molded. It was so upsetting. No. <laughs> I couldn't oh, use it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, man, it was molded. There was no return. Oh, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, well, you you learned you learned an important lesson that day. I did, but I also think I probably will make the same mistake. <laughs> what, it, what what that same friend likes to say about me, Annie Reese, she never learns her lesson. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we love each other, but there's some snark for sure. Ah, oh, for sure. And I feel like there's been a lot of big, it's food stunts in the news recently. Um, And one of them is the Kraft and Cheese, the Kraft Macaroni and Cheese ice cream, which sold out. Oh, right. Hard to get. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's more than the normal or if it's just because I'm home and I'm like noticing it. But I feel like there's been a lot of them lately where it made me raise my eyebrow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure either cuz I it's it's like it's like are are these companies doing more of these stunts because they're like, well, now's the time, why not? Uh Yeah. Like we all need we all need a distraction. Uh so craft mac and cheese ice cream go. Um or or right, or are we just paying more attention because we do need a distraction. This is the the chicken or the egg, but it's <laughs> What's that other one? Mountain Dew or hard alcohol? <laughs> These are the deep questions <laughs> we must answer. Yes. 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 But today, we'll, we're not going to get into that. Um, although I would love to in the future. Yeah. Today, we're going to bring back this classic on cheddar. Um, so... Let's let past Annie and Lauren take it away. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Annie Reese. And today we're finally talking about cheese. Yes, specifically cheddar cheese because cheese is a massive topic. Oh yeah, that's way too much. Lauren knows all about that. Oh, I do. Oh. She wanted an infamous cheese hole. We'll be talking about that later, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and this one involves fraud, just to get you excited. Cheese fraud. Yeah, that's okay. the best kind. Of course. So what is cheddar cheese, Lauren? Well, cheddar is a type of aged cheese that's medium hard. A chunk of it will stand up without melting or running all over a plate, and it will crumble, but in like creamy chunks rather than fine grains. It usually has a nuttiness to it and a bit of a tang. How much tang can be discerned by a few labels? Well, sort of. Yeah. As for the types of cheddar you'll probably find in the grocery store, you've got mild, medium, sharp, and extra sharp. And yeah, that's kind of at the manufacturer's discretion. There are kind of loose guidelines. Mild is aged about three months. Medium is twice that at six months. Sharp or mature, nine months. And extra sharp or extra mature at 12 months. Anything over that is vintage cheese. As cheese ages, it becomes sharper or stronger and more complex and flavorful. And also, cheddar cheese is one of my favorite cheeses. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I think it's mine, too. I mean, I think I go through a different favorite cheese about 
once a day. I've got three favorites, and this is one. If we ever come to the other ones, then oh. I'll reveal what they are. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cheddar cheese uh, made in its place of origin in and around Somerset is covered by the EU-protected designation of origin West Country Farmhouse Cheddar, similar to the AOC protections we talked about in our champagne episode. To qualify for this protection, the cheddar has to be made with local milk with traditional by-hand techniques and aged for a minimum of nine months. Non-West Country Farmhouse Cheddar, however, is made all over. Oh, yeah. Cheddar is the most bought and eaten cheese around the world. Behind mozzarella, it's the second most popular cheese in the U.S. Mozzarella, by the way, is because of pizza and string cheese. Oh. Yeah. Wisconsin is the largest producer of cheddar here in the States, and the average American eats 32.5 pounds of cheese a year. Ha. Cheddar or otherwise. In Greece, it's reportedly twice that number, though. It's also the most popular cheese when it comes to scientific studies. Huh. Yeah. And speaking of science, let's talk about the science of how cheddar cheese is made. Cheddar cheese science, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cheese was the topic that got me um, started off on my love affair with bacteria poop. That's where it all began. It it is. And and we mentioned it on the show, like, literally today and also other times. But, yeah, I went through this whole cheese obsession month a couple years ago where every project I worked on was about cheese. Whether that made me more or less fun at parties is highly subjective. Oh, more fun. There's also this, like, um, whiteboard drawing <laughs> of, like, a cheese family tree that Lauren made. And it was yeah. there forever, <laughs> forever. Yeah, the etymology of the word cheese was this whole project. I was really trying to get an etymology show started up with uh, with Caroline. And yeah. then it never, it never quite got off the ground. But, okay, so cheddar cheese mm-hmm. starts the same way all cheese does, with milk. Yeah. So let's talk about how you turn liquid milk into solid cheese. Those of you who listened to our episode on yogurt will remember the first part of the process. Milk contains a lot of solid molecules, but they all mass together as a liquid because milk is an emulsion. Mm -hmm. Emulsion is just the science word for a mixture of things that don't usually mix, like oil and water. But emulsions, such as milk or mayonnaise or bottled salad dressing, emulsions contain both fats and water evenly dispersed throughout the other. In milk, this happens because of the structure of milk's protein molecules. Milk has these complex proteins called casins that have both hydrophilic, that means water-loving, and lipophilic, that means fat-loving, parts. When presented with both water and fats, casins grab bits of fat and cluster up into globules called micelles, with the fat hoarded on the inside and those water-loving hydrophilic bits on the outside. These micelles are all negatively charged particles, which means they repel each other, like, you know, magnets, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you give them a neutral base of water to float around in, they'll disperse themselves evenly throughout it, creating an emulsion. <gasps> yes. So to make this liquid milk into solid cheese, you need to deemulsify it, a.k.a. coagulate it, by mucking around with those micelles. You want to neutralize their charge so that they stop repelling each other, so you add some, a- some lactic acid bacteria. Bacteria poop! Yay. These are friendly germs that eat the sugars in milk and excrete acids. Acid neutralizes the micelles, and they start clumping together. The bacteria also excrete flavor molecules, so particular strains are used for different cheeses. Lactobacillus casei, 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 and uh, Lactobacillus planetarum are common for cheddar. Mm-hmm. What happens if you stop there? 
If you stop there, you have yogurt. And that's delicious. It is. But if you continue the coagulation process via either heat or chemical stuff or both, that's when you get cheese. I accidentally made cottage cheese the first time I tried making yogurt because I overheated it. The the heat agitates more water out of the clumping micelles, and, and you get solid curds that are mostly proteins and fats and liquid whey that's mostly water and a few water-soluble things. The curds are the cheese, and the whey is discarded, uh, or usually in, you know, industry used for something else because it's nutritious and delicious. tastes mm-hmm. just like whey. Exactly. Yeah. In the case of cheddar, like many cheeses, part of this coagulation process is adding rennet, which is a product made up of proteolytic enzymes, uh, meaning uh, enzymes that break stuff down, which in rennet's case helps the solids and milk clot together. Natural rennet comes from the fourth stomach lining of young cows, goats, and sheep. Mm-hmm. When it's in there... It helps the animal digest its mother's milk by separating out the whey from the curds. Traditionally, rennet is added to cheese by soaking pieces of dried stomach in water and then straining and adding the water to the curdling milk. But in case that just totally grossed you out, don't don't worry. First off, first off, animals are not killed just to make rennet. It is a byproduct of the meat industry. And most rennet these days doesn't actually come from stomach linings at all, but from lab-farmed bacteria or fungi that either naturally produce similar enzymes or have been genetically modified to do so. And some plants, like fig leaves and thistle, make rennet-like enzymes as well. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So you've done, you've done your, your bacteria coagulation, you've done your rennet coagulation, and at this point, you've got your cheese curds. Which are themselves delightful. Yeah. If you've never had cheese curds, oh. go find some. You might need to go to Wisconsin. They make your teeth squeak. There's, there's, I know. it's Oh, it's great. Okay. But to get to cheddar, you've got to press and age these curds. Uh, pressing helps get even more of the moisture out, which uh, you need to do in order to create cheddar's firm texture. The specific method that was developed for pressing cheddar curds is used for other cheeses. It's called cheddaring. Excellent. Which is the best word. And we've got a note on it later on. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheesemakers do also add salt to draw water out of the cheese and add a bit of flavor and stop the action of those lactic acid bacteria, which have been continuing to do their fermentation thing this whole time. The reduction in water content lowers the pH of the cheese, making it more acidic, which helps uh, make the final cheese both tangy and firm. The curds are then pressed into hoops or other molds, and then they're ready for storage. During aging, molecules in the cheese slowly break down, releasing compounds that affect the cheese's flavor and texture, making it more and more delicious all the time. Yep. Sometimes uh, dyes are added to the milk during the early stages of the curdling process, though. Mm-hmm. Kraft cheese... Some of you have probably heard of that. They announced in 2013 that it was going to be doing away with the artificial dyes and some of their macaroni and cheese products. I mean, that bright neon (laughs) orange isn't cheese's natural color. (laughs) But why were they using dyes in the first place? Why is cheddar orange? Yeah, deep questions. Mm. We'll get to that and so much more history stuff after a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... The first cheese probably originated in a way that's similar to yogurt. That is dairy being transported into animal skins, animal bladders, getting agitated, getting exposed to lactic acid, bacteria, and rennet. And this all dates back to when we first started domesticating milk-producing herd animals like goats and cows and sheep, maybe around 10,000 BCE. Once the process was nailed down a bit more, it was seen as a great way for farmers to use up surplus milk before we had refrigeration or a good way of transporting it. There's evidence of cheesemaking in farming settlements going back as far as 5,500 BCE. Uh, traces of dairy fat have been found in ceramic fragments dating from around that time. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you're looking for some more homework, uh, huh. the butter episode was kind of tied to this, and there's that whole pull between, like, should we use this surplus milk for butter or cheese? Yeah. Yeah. So the yogurt one and the butter one, closely related. Definitely. Um, cheddar itself is named after the district it comes from, located in the southwestern county of Somerset, England. Or possibly from the Cheddar Gorge or the caves nearby. The constant cool temperature and humidity of these caves made it ideal for cheddar storage and maturation. The best alternative pre-refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Folklore out of Cheddar tells the tale of a milkmaid who left a pail of milk in the nearby caves and forgot it there. <laughs> when she stumbled upon it sometime later, she found that instead of milk, she had this delicious-tasting cheese thing. <laughs> From there, others set out to recreate this accident and get more of that cheese stuff. Mm -hmm. In 1903, by the way, uh, 1903 CE, some workers discovered the oldest intact human skeleton in these caves. What? 
Mm-hmm. Huh. It was dated to 7,150 BCE and now is known as the Cheddar Man. And you can see him, I can't recall at what museum, but some museum in Britain. <laughs> it's also a relatively newish cheese. As far back as the 11th century CE, farmers in Cheddar, England were making cheddar cheese. We know that because the first written record of it is dated at 1170 CE when King Henry II purchased a <laughs> 10,240 pounds of cheddar cheese at the rate of a farthing per pound. He espoused its superiority to all other cheeses. Oh, yes. His son followed his example on that, too. Ah. Uh, cheese makers there discovered that the more ma- moisture you could remove, the longer the cheese lasted. And they did this by piling slabs of curds on top of each other to press out the liquid whey. And this was called cheddaring. And um, it also stretched out these slabs of curds and made a harder cheese. Another monarch, Charles I, who reigned during the 1600s, was an enormous cheddar cheese fan. He was enormously fond of cheddar cheese. Not necessarily. I, I don't know. I actually don't. Was he? Was no, he chubby? Think, where's Where's Jonathan when you need him? I don't think he was chubby. Okay. He was. He loved cheddar cheese. Is what we're <laughs> trying to say. Uh, but the his demand <laughs> exceeded supply, which meant that it was being purchased by him even before it was made. It was only available to members of the court. Oh wow. Like an early example of pre-ordering. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Around this time in the 17th century, we arrive at the color thing and fraud. Yes. If you think about it, she should probably be white, right? Right? Wrong. Huh. Or not necessarily. Huh. A lot of cheeses in England had a yellowish, orangish tint, particularly if the milk used to make the cheese came from two breeds of cows, the Jersey and the Guernsey. That's because the grass where they were located contained a lot of beta carotene, which gave the milk color. We touched on this a bit in our butter episode, and uh, we talked about how the diet of the cow when the season changes the color of their milk. Or rather, not the, not the color of the milk, because milk is always white, but the content of the milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, butter and cheese can be yellow despite milk being white because that beta carotene is fat soluble, which means it's locked away in the fat molecules in milk, which you'll remember from the beginning of the episode are themselves locked away inside of my cells. Or they are, at least, until you start messing around with the micelles. And the process of making butter and cheese causes some of milk's fats to get released. And the beta carotene can come blinking into the sunshine and color the cheese or the, or the butter. Mm-hmm. At times when cows eat more fresh grass than dried hay or other feed, uh, A, the grass itself is more nutritious, and so they're better able to produce extra fatty, nutritious milk. And B, it's usually during warm seasons when cows' bodies are working to produce more high-quality milk due to the uh, natural swing of their hormones. And all that good stuff in milk adds flavor to the finished cheese. And... Aging cheese longer brings out more of those color molecules and more flavor molecules. Thus, in cheddar, that orangey, yellowy hue was seen as an indicator of quality. You know where this is going? (laughs) I bet you do. Cheesemakers in England knew they could make more money if they skimmed off the cream to make butter or if they sold the cream separately. The problem was that doing so got rid of the color, that mark of quality that let you sell it at a higher price, which was mostly the byproduct of that fatty cream you skimmed off. But these enterprising cheesemakers and fraudsters didn't let that stop them. They got the idea to fake it, essentially, to dye the cheese. At first, they added things like marigold, saffron, and carrot juice. 
Then they started using something called annatto, derived from the seeds of chocolate plants. And this is what Kraft plans to replace the artificial dyes with, by the way. Um, Their scheme succeeded, and unsuspecting Londoners purchased dyed cheese thinking they were getting high-quality, full-fat cheddar. With the help of marketing, and as cheddar spread further away from England, the color cemented itself in the minds of consumers. If it wasn't bright orange, it wasn't cheddar. It became the standard. The traditions of dying cheese, the traditions of dying cheese, spread <laughs> as the cheese itself did. But it didn't really catch on in New England dairies. No. No. Uh, the, the use of dyes and cheddar really cemented during the industrialization of the cheese industry in the 1900s when consumers started associating uh, brand consistency with quality. But, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. We will talk more about Cheddar's past and future after one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Daniel Defoe's 1724 book, A Tour of the Islands of Great Britain, dedicated a whole chapter to cheddar, both place and cheese. This is how big, like, cheddar was becoming. At first, cheddar could only be made locally, and that kind of made it a local product and a luxury product a bit. Mm -hmm. But when Pilgrim started making the journey to America, Puritan dairy farmers brought with them the methods of making cheddar cheese. By 1790, American-made cheddar was being exported back to Europe. Wow. At first, 
Cheese in the U.S. was based in New England, but gradually it spread west. For half a century in the 1800s, the western region of Ohio was known as cheesedom. Um, <laughs> as colonists and immigrants from places like Switzerland, Germany, and Norway settled in Wisconsin, they bought with them the tradition of farm-made cheese. The U.S. Census from 1850 reports 400,283 pounds of cheese made on Wisconsin farms for the year of 1849. In the summer of 1845 saw the arrival of the first immigrants from Glarus, Switzerland, settling in Greene County, Wisconsin. They set up a community they called New Glarus. Yes, that New Glarus. <laughs> For people in Wisconsin, you know what I'm talking about. I've got no idea. Oh, oh, no. Oh, we got to fix that, like, immediately. Goodbye. No, <laughs> no we'll wait. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, it's, it's like a they make beer and cheese. It's very good. And Wisconsin's role in the cheese production is a topic for a whole nother episode. Oh, yeah. During Queen Victoria's rule in the 1800s, she was gifted with a 1,200-pound chunk of cheddar. What? Oh. Yeah. It was an offering at her wedding. Uh, it, it took the milk from 750 cows. The farmers who gave it to her asked her to put it on display, which she did, but then declined to take it back after the exhibition was <laughs> over, perhaps not knowing to do with 1,200 pounds of cheese that was on exhibition for who knows how long. We're not quite sure what happened to it after that, actually. Hmm. The current record for largest cheddar goes to the 1989 56,850-pound chunk of cheese made by the Federation of American Cheesemakers in Oregon. Oh. That, I can't even imagine that amount of cheese. Nope. A couple of important developments in the 19th century made it possible for the mass production of cheddar. The first was when Joseph Harding, a dairy farmer in Somerset, invented a cheese mill capable of cutting up the cheese curds and came up with the method for scalding the curds to get the texture uh, which way spread up the process as compared to the previous method of just weighing down the curds and waiting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He also went around teaching dairy farmers this method in Scotland and North America. For his efforts, history often remembers him as the father of cheddar cheese. It's quite the title. Soon after, in 1851, the first cheese factory opened in New York. And New York was um, the state that produced the most cheddar cheese before cheesemaking spread west. Their specialty was cheddar. A lot of the cheddar ended up getting exported back to Britain. When James Kraft, yep, that Kraft, uh -huh. <laughs> moved to Chicago in 1903, he wanted to find a way to recycle and sell unused bits of cheddar since it was the first and most factory-produced cheese. By adding some sodium phosphate to repasteurized cheddar, he came up with the Kraft Single, a.k.a. American Cheese, in 1916. During World War II, this was a staple for soldiers. And I am hyper pumped to do a future episode about this type of cheese, also sometimes called processed cheese. It is fascinating. Yeah. All of the regulations about how much cheese can be in your cheese product. Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> okay. When Captain Robert Scott embarked on his 1901 journey to Antarctica, he took with him 3,500 pounds. About 1,600 kilograms of cheddar-made cheddar cheese. Interesting choice. And great excuse to go down a failed Antarctic <laughs> exhibition or rabbit hole when researching cheddar cheese. <laughs> if you've ever wondered why cheddar, or cheese, is slang for money, it goes back to the 1960s when recipients of food stamps and welfare in the U.S. were treated to government cheese. What that consisted of was a mixture of cheeses blended together with emulsifiers and any surplus milk. 
At the time, people might ask you if you'd gotten your cheese yet, meaning your government supplement. Or it could go back even further to World War II when the British government banned all types of cheese except cheddar. Oh. It was given the nickname government cheddar. This ban remained for nine years after the war ended. And before World War I, Britain had 3,500 cheesemakers in business, but there were less than 100 after World War II. They're in the process of bouncing back. And as with a lot of things, cheddar is undergoing a bit of a, a renaissance, a cheese revolution I read in a couple of places, hmm. with more and more small farms and cheesemakers entering the business and giving us many, many products to try. And speaking of trying. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of. So, okay. You know, we, we, we talked a little bit about how cheddar tastes, but how do you turn that into an amazing meal for all of your senses? How do you pair it with stuff? <laughs> I mean, I like to just eat it straight. But <laughs> there's, there's things. Um, experts have a list of words, by the way, for describing the flavor of cheddar, including brothy, caddy, cowy, fecal, moldy, nutty, scorched, sulfur, and waxy. They have a lot more than that. Those were just some of my favorites. Cheddar cheese is used in all kinds of things. Mac and cheese, grilled cheese, cheddar biscuits, cheddar soup, waffles, grits, apple pie. But I like it with apple slices straight. Me too. Yeah. yeah it's my favorite. Mm. If you're looking to pair your cheddar cheese with a beverage, it's good with ale. In England, you can get this thing called a plowman's lunch, which is sort of a platter with cheddar, pickles, apple slices, bread, and ale. Or a good dry... Cabernet Sauvignon would go well. Also a dry cider. There's lots of things. Cheddar cheese. It's cheese. I mean. I know. And cheese scientifically has been proven to uh, improve the taste of so-so wine. So. Yep. Mm. So try any pairing you like. Yeah. Yeah. And that is our first foray into cheese. There will be many, many more. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm so, oh, I'm still really, real. I'm real excited about it. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be great. That brings us to the end on this classic episode on cheddar cheese. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we clearly loved (laughs) talking about it and researching Mm -hmm. it. If you like cheese, I hope that you have some cheese in your future. Always. 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 (laughs) Um, And if you would like to email us, you can, and we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. Um, and yes, we do hope to hear from you. Um, uh, we always hope that there's cheese in your future, and we always hope to hear from you. Uh, Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.